This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. At the news and information shaping our community, this is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Good morning. It's an all-city edition of Moose Talks this time. As a little later on, we're going to be talking to Marissa Jordan, who after this weekend will have earned her vacation as uh, she is the recreation programmer for the city of Fort St. John, spearheading the High and Ice Festival. Maybe you heard about it. It's happening all weekend long. Kind of a big deal. That's coming up later, but first we're going to start talking budgets with Ryan Harvey, the communications coordinator for the city of Fort St. John. How's it going this morning, Ryan? Thanks. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. There we go. Uh, so let's talk a bit about the budgets. There's two of them that the city actually passes. Why don't we start with that? Can you tell us a bit about what they are and why they're different? Yeah, so obviously the first one is the operating budget. So it's, that's the day-to-day expenses. That's mm-hmm. the snow clearing. That's the bylaw officers. That's kind of the day-to-day stuff that the city uh, and the services that the city provides to its residents. Okay. And then the capital budget as well, which is, I believe, has been just passed already. What's what's kind of that part? Yeah, so the capital budget um, has been approved in principle, and basically what that means is we can submit to the province now for funding on the Peace River Agreement. But I see. the capital budget is, is the roads, the sewer, the infrastructure, the buildings, the parks that, you know, are needed to keep the city operational and to provide the places for people kind of to go or the services that they need so mm-hmm. um, a bit different those are the the capital or the tangible tangible pieces the stuff you can more or less touch yeah so that for example the 100th street revitalization comes out of that the detachment for the art the new rcmp detachment that sort of thing yeah uh can you tell us a bit about the peace river agreement like what that's all about yeah so the peace river agreement uh is 25 years old now yeah um but is an agreement uh between uh, the Peace River Regional District and its member municipalities mm-hmm. and the province. And basically, it uh, provides us funding in lieu of taxation on industrial activities that happen outside of our boundaries. I see. Um, so, obviously, Fort St. John is a service hub, but we can only tax inside our boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the industrial activity that happens around our community that we're kind of that hub for would go untaxed. Obviously, they would pay taxes to the province and, and those pieces, but... Um, so that's basically an agreement that we have with the province that provides us this funding. And it's a huge um, opportunity, obviously. It's about 20, just under $25 million mm-hmm. for 2020. Um, and it, it is used primarily for those capital projects, or it is used for those capital projects. Um, so a huge benefit. Obviously, uh, we're doing, you know, uh, between... Uh, Peace River Agreement this year, as well as the reserves that we've kind of been saving up for the RCMP detachment and those pieces, like $55 million is coming from the Peace River Agreement for capital projects this year. Wow. And so it's a huge piece that obviously would have to be funded through other sources, i.e. property taxes, um, that it doesn't have to be. Well, I think the unique thing about this is, as I understand it, I mean, this is sort of unique to our area in BC that we have this. So other municipalities don't have this enormous benefit because if I remember right, just the twenty million. I mean, that's like a third of the capital budget this year. That's an enormous piece of revenue. Well, and and so the the piece of agreement at, at just under twenty five million dollars this year is mm-hmm. double what we collect in residential tax. Wow, um, in residential property taxes. So just that alone, obviously, speaks to the enormous benefit 
of that. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, due to the extremely hard work of, of past elected officials, current elected officials, past staff and, and current staff, obviously, to ensure that we have this source of funding mm-hmm. um, to provide those those pieces as the service hub for the region. Is this something that has to be updated every once in a while? Like we get together with the province and say, okay, this is what we need or this is how it could be better, that sort of thing? Yeah, so um, it is it is a memorandum of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically it's consecutive kind of one-year agreements. Um, so we submit to the province what our plans are for the future year as well as what we did in the past year every year. I see. Okay, and and we submit it, or the Peace River Regional District kind of does it for. Uh, so, so each municipality submits I see, okay. submits a piece to it, and then the funding is based on a formula. So, um, based on kind of everything else, there's there's quite a formula that goes into it. That um, so the province will say, you know, it's it's whatever amount of money, and then it gets split up by that that formula. So okay. So uh, as it uh, kind of refers to the capital budget, as you said, in principle, it's been passed. Now uh, they can ask for funding for some of these sort of things. And, and I suppose as part of that, too, would be putting things out to tender to ba- build these capital projects in the summertime when it's more beneficial to yeah, do so. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think it's important. Uh, there's a couple pieces that kind of happen through the municipal budget process. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to submit this capital plan to the province. And so that's why it went to council it has to be submitted by the end of january so um the amendment uh there was a, a couple changes that we had to make with the funding change um so that went last council to a, kind of amend that piece so that is due by the end of january mm-hmm. and then we have to pass what's called the financial plan bylaw and so that covers five years and then after that so that's saying you know here's all the revenue we need here's all the expenses we're going to take from that then council sets the tax rate bylaw and that has to be adopted before the middle of May. Okay. And so that's the one where you're going to find out exactly how much you're going to pay on your on your property taxes after BC assessment has finalized their assessments. But then, yeah, obviously, as you were talking about, you know, capital projects. So now that this uh, is approved, um, in principle, obviously, the work has been going on behind the scenes to get these projects um, to a point where they'll be tender ready, obviously, in the next few weeks. Um, and then for construction to start, you know, May, June. Um, in that four-month window of the year. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that short window of construction that we have, unfortunately. Uh, let's talk a bit about the operating budget for a second then. Uh, so as I understand it then, property taxes, as you said, you passed the tax bylaw. We find out exactly how many taxes we owe to the city uh, because of it. Uh, those taxes go towards funding the operating budget, among other things, correct? Correct. So the uh, property taxes only go to the operating budget. Mm-hmm. None of that is into capital projects. So that's not the the updates to 100th Street. That's not the new RCMP detachment. That's not the Centennial Park upgrades or the dog park or any of those other pieces. Um, that's all through PRA funding and other grants. Okay. So the, the property taxes obviously are, are into those other pieces um, that are you know, the operating, the wages, the the um, materials and, and those kind of day-to-day pieces. Yeah, so I see. Uh, I assume then that it's somewhere outlined in law exactly what is in the capital. But like you're, you can't just, dis- the city can't just decide on their own what they want to fund and how. It's sort of, it's, sort of uh, it's, it's spelled out somewhere that this is what has to be in what budget, correct? Yeah, so there's, um, the city has a, a number of, policies when we just actually updated our financial framework policy mm-hmm. um, and so what that what that really took a look at was 
that we have 10 interconnected financial policies. And so it made sense to review them all at the same time. And that was what this piece was. Obviously, you can't make changes to um, the capital plan or the capital piece without affecting other pieces along the way. You can't change the staffing formula without affecting the permissive tax exemptions. Mm -hmm. And so it was important to look at all of those pieces together. But yeah, so we have a uh, policy that says of the Peace River Agreement, a certain percentage is going to go into roads mm -hmm. and a certain percentage is going to go into parks. Um, and so there's five main components of, of capital projects. So those are roads, um, water and sewer, parks and buildings, machinery and equipment, and then special projects. Those are the the, the future planning kind of pieces. Mm -hmm. um, so a slope stability project, making sure that we're ensuring our assets are available for for decades to come. Okay. Now, when it comes to these two budgets, as a resident, I understand how I can have my say on, say, capital projects. I can say, I think the city should spend more on this, or I think they should spend less. Here's my opinion, right? Operating budget, that's sort of tougher, because as you say, it's a little more day-to-day. -day. Uh, I mean, but you still do solicit opinions from uh, citizens of Fort St. John on how to spend the money in the operating budget, do you not? Absolutely. So, yeah, but last week we held uh, our budget open house mm -hmm. um, before the first three readings or uh, during the process of the first three readings of the financial plan bylaw. And basically this year we created a couple documents, um, a financial plan, not the bylaw, but the a financial plan as well as a budget kind of quick look that are on our website and available for people to dig deeper into those pieces. But it's really important to note that um, so there is a proposed increase this year. Mm -hmm. um, the lowest of 14 comparable communities at 1.25%, um, basically needed to cover um, the the change between uh, the BC um, employer health tax mm -hmm. um, and the cancellation of the of the um, MSP premiums that the city paid. So that difference right there is $351,000 in the budget, and the proposed increase is $356,000. Um, so it it really kind of comes down right to those pieces. We've we've done a tremendous amount of work over the last few years at internally looking for those savings. So, one point oh well, sorry, one point two million dollars in savings um, on kind of that discretionary spending. So, the, um, materials and supplies, um, reducing those to a level where, you know, it, it's it's great to budget for them, but if we're not spending them, then it, it doesn't make sense to collect that collect that tax revenue. So, realize those savings and then ensuring that we're still providing the services that our residents want um, in the most efficient manner possible. Okay. Now, again, you said the bu this budget, the operating budget, doesn't have to be passed or has to be passed by May, right? So what's kind of next in the process on that? As you said, capital budget in principle passed. What's sort of the next step in the operating budget process? Yeah, so it's interesting because from the province perspective, they view it as one budget. Mm -hmm. So we talk about it locally kind of as, as two separate budgets. So uh, at the meeting on the 10th of February, council gave their first three readings to the financial plan bylaw. That mm -hmm. covers both the operating and the capital pieces for the next five years, although you have to do it every year. You also do the budget and then four years of forecast. I see. So I think... Um, and that's, uh, sorry to interrupt, that's updated every year then. You're always, always including the next five years. Yeah, okay. always making sure that we're, we're looking out long term to see what, what is changing mm -hmm. and kind of where those pieces are coming from, right? And so um, the first three readings were done on the, on the 10th. And so now on the 24th, it'll go for adoption and then that will, the financial plan would be set. And from there, then we would talk about the actual um, tax rates 
which um, are multiplied then by the assessed value of each property to ensure that we get to that. So this piece is really about we need to raise, you know, 12 million and change in property taxes from residential property and from that property class. And so then that is showing how that's going to affect the tax rates later on. Okay. All right. Uh, now, to go back to the capital budget again, if you don't mind, uh, what are some of the things that are on the capital budget this year? I, I mentioned a few of them, but, uh, I mean, there's quite a few lines. I mean, you could name the big ones, but what, kind of what else is in there that maybe people don't know or you talk about a lot? Yeah, so it's it's quite an extensive list of, mm-hmm. of projects and, and different pieces. Uh, so, obviously... The, the major one is the upgrades surrounding kind of 100th Street. Yeah. So the intersection at 96th and 100th, the, the back lanes that um, we've heard from businesses need to be ensured that their access is maintained. Uh, lights and, uh, sorry, traffic signals at 96th and 96th mm-hmm. down there by the field house. Um, but then there's also, um, you know, the, the new RCMP detachment that's breaking ground. Uh, we'll continue work on uh, Kin Park and Serres Park plans to get those ready. The paving of the the road that goes through Kin Park, mm-hmm. uh, the first phase is going to happen this year. The new trails in um, Fish Creek Community Forest. So there's there's definitely a lot of stuff going on. Um, and then we, you know, we always we always have uh, what we call road overlays and, mm-hmm. and pieces like that. So we we take a look at the in the spring after the snow melts. What are the worst roads? And we get those overlaid. So we mill off the top and. And re- repave them. Okay, so would road maintenance then come out of the capital budget, or is that so? So those pieces are are capital pieces. I see. Uh, pothole repair, for example, isn't. Okay. So the the wages and the materials to actually conduct pothole repair, that's in the operating budget. The what the guys refer to as the toaster, um, which is their <laughs> hot asphalt machine, yeah. um, would have been a capital purchase I as see. an equipment piece. Okay, okay, very interesting. All right, well, if we want more information about the budgets and having a look at them and maybe to find out more when we can have more of a say and whatnot in the future, uh, where do we find that? Right on the city's website, yeah, ca. Yeah, can't miss it, I guess. No, say. no. <laughs> That's the biggest part of it. All right, Ryan, well, uh, thanks so much for stopping by today to talk a bit about the budget. I know last minute you uh, had to kind of pinch hit here, so yeah. I appreciate you making time for us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was appreciated. <laughs> All right, that's Ryan Harvey, the communications coordinator with the city of Fort St. John. We'll be right back on Moose Talks with Marissa Jordan after this. We all do it. We're scrolling through Pinterest. We see a picture. Cast at energeticcity.ca. We're back on Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Uh, we've got Marissa Jordan, the recreation programmer for the city of Fort St. John, joining us this morning. Thank you so much for finding time to talk to us today, Marissa. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, we'll talk about uh, what I'm sure you'll be taking a long vacation after high on ice ends this weekend. Hey. Uh, well, no, because we have winter games right after, so oh. I have to stick around for that. So, But yeah, uh, a couple after days that. in March. March is usually my escape for a little bit time. But. Yeah. So uh, we're here talking to you about high on ice because you're kind of one of the main people behind it. Uh, so I was hoping to talk uh, kind of extensively about it because we've been talking about it a lot around the station. You've been here. Uh, some other people have been here. But uh, the history of this sort of interests me. So can you tell yes. us a bit about how High and I started? Um, I, ca- I can't go back that far necessarily. Um, this is my sixth year. So okay. um, 
I know in the in the more recent history, um, the goal of the event, because we always, like you said, I come in and I talk about this all the time, but we always just scratch the surface. And usually what ends mm-hmm. up happening is we talk about the ice carvings, which is great. They're so great. Um, but what we what we don't often talk about is how we've been working so hard to diversify the event and, and create all these events that are winter themed that are going on around. So mm-hmm. in the in the recent history, um, I can say that that has been a big objective is to create more opportunities for the people of Fort St. John and the surrounding area to get out and experience winter in a diverse capacity. Okay, so you'd say uh, kind of before the focus was a lot more on it's an it's sort of an ice carving festival, and yeah. there's some things going on around it, but that has changed. Kind yeah, of bef- before my time, it was actually a sanctioned carving competition. I see. And that's, I feel that's how most ice um, ice festivals work, where carving is a component of it, um, where the artists come in and they're competing against one another. There's prizes, um, all that stuff. Um, here... I feel that it's a lot more relaxed in the sense that we don't do a competition anymore. The carvers come here, um, we pick a theme, they do their commission pieces based on that theme, and then they get to actually do a bit of freestyling, which they really like. They often are told, you need to carve this, you mm-hmm. need to carve that, and we do a little bit of that, but we give them the opportunity to, to freestyle a single block and then do their weekend pieces. So we've, we've, ta- we've gone away from the, from the competition part and made it more about... Um, just fun really okay uh why do you think a winter festival matters i mean summers here are beautiful when they happen mm-hmm. why do you think it's so important to embrace winter in the way that we have with the, the high and ice well i grew up on vancouver island where we didn't really get winter mm-hmm. i didn't skate on an outdoor rink until i was like 18 years old <sighs> And it's mind blowing to yeah, think about. <laughs> yeah, and I and I really do think I never snowshoed before I moved here. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that are unique to a winter community that you can't do in other places. And I think high on ice is sort of the driving force for providing those opportunities that you don't get to do those activities in a lot of other places. And we try to make those things accessible. So we have a few snowshoe events going on this weekend where snowshoes are provided mm-hmm. um we try to bring out like this year and last year we really pushed to get like a dog sled component out because there's people who've lived here their whole lives who've never even really seen that in the flesh um so that's that's where i feel high on ice is is unique in the sense that it provides those opportunities that people may be able to do all the time they just never really have gotten around to it or knew who to call or knew who to talk to um so i think especially also because of how long winter is to find joy in the season is really important and um to to get out of your home and i've always been i mean i work in parks and recreation i've always been a fan of being physically active and getting out so i i feel for my personal values that's important and i hope that the community um takes advantage of that opportunity for the winter festival absolutely and i mean i i think you you hit the nail on the head some of that equipment that you're providing kind of free of charge for people to try Mm -hmm. uh that's that's expensive equipment to just be like well, I want to try snowshoeing. Let me go drop a hundred dollars on snowshoes. Yeah, and this is a, sort of an opportunity for someone who's never done it to try yeah. it, and then maybe it becomes a hobby for them. Yeah, or the alternative, they may not like it at all, <laughs> and then they're not going to waste their money on snowshoeing. But um, that's just one example. I mean, we also do. Um, I've grown up playing hockey my whole life, and mm-hmm. I always wanted to try the sledge hockey, the para- Paralympic style hockey. And since moving to Fort St. John, I've got to try that, and that's in the program for this weekend as well. Um, 
broom ball is in there too. So just all these cool little unique winter activities that people don't often get exposure to. And I, I don't know, I think it's really cool. And it's something to look forward to in the middle of February mm -hmm. when, you know, other than maybe if you like Valentine's Day uh, <laughs> today, uh, I mean, you there's kind of like a long break kind of after Christmas where it's like, ah, there's not always something happening. Yeah. It's nice to have this weekend to kind of look forward to. Yeah, I, th I think so. I just really hope that people take advantage of it. Um, we work pretty, pretty hard on, on pulling this all together mm -hmm. and we're so fortunate in this community. Um, high on ice, is a collaboration between a lot of businesses and nonprofit organizations and even some charitable organizations. And we have representation uh, from volunteers from all of these different groups that come in to, to put on these activities because there's, uh, in the city we have four recreation programmers, four people that do what I do that kind of keep uh, our facilities going with recreational programming. Um, but four people can't be in all these places at the same time over mm -hmm. the weekend. Um, so we, we heavily, heavy, rely, heavily rely on those individuals and we're so lucky to have them being on the ground running stuff too, because we just can't, can't do offer what we offer without them. Now, how long does it take you to plan this? When did you start oh, planning this boy. year's festival last uh, year? Well, we, we pretty much wrap up Canada Day and then move right into High on Ice. So hmm. I can start booking um, and getting confirmation from people in, in as early as August and September. Wow. Um, just to put it on people's radar. And, and this year especially, it was we wanted to get an early start because we knew Winter Games were coming. And it was a year where you know as an organizer for an event you're going man there's two back-to-back -back events we might we might suffer here this year because winter games needed so many volunteers and so many resources and we were prepared to lose um to lose some of our volunteers and really the only group that isn't participating this year is cross-country skiing just because of all the prep they have to do for winter games mm -hmm. we were so fortunate that all of our volunteers and more jumped on board this year so um yeah, we, we reached out a little earlier this year than normal just to say, hey, are you guys coming back? What's going on? What's your plan? And that was, yeah, September, October, we sort of start putting stuff together. So, All right. I just have one more question for you, sure. and you sort of touched on it already. If I'm listening to this and I'm going, you know, temperature is kind of going to be a little colder <laughs> than I would be comfortable with, yada, yada. Why should I go to this High on Ice Festival? What, what, what's the reason I should embrace it the way that you have and other people have? That's a really good question. I think there's something to be said for the reward of getting out of your house when it's like, even if you think about how good you feel after you go out and shovel the driveway, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, like it wasn't, you get that kind of, um, I don't want to say over with, but you have the reward of knowing that, hey, I got out of my house, I did something new, I tried something new today. And, <coughs> and truthfully, um, just coming off talking about budget, this, your tax dollars go to this. Every community has a recreation department, and we're here for you. We're here to plan these. I don't get to participate in the events over the weekend. <laughs> I do it for people like you so that you can get out of your house and you can take advantage of the opportunity. So um, I think the, the reward that you get after trying something new or after saying, you know what, I, I did get off the couch today. I didn't just sit and watch movies all day. Um, I got out and I, I went snowshoeing or I I saw a dog sled ride today, or I went and saw beautiful ice carvings made by professional artists who have traveled halfway across the world to be here. I think um, your own personal reward is really what you're what you're getting out of it. Um, and I and I do feel 
Uh, in a lot of ways, Fort St. John is such a tight-knit community. We're rewarding those people that have taken the time to plan the events. It's not just the city staff. It's all the volunteers that have put their personal time into into coordinating the various activities. So you're you're essentially rewarding them and and making their time worthwhile by by attending and just participating because if if we don't get the participation these events don't continue um so that's why you should go <laughs> if, that, if that's a good enough answer and and simply just for the fun of it too um it's it's not the type of of event where you have to stay outside for eight hours a day you look at that calendar you pick and choose if you feel hey i can brave the cold for an hour or two um that, that's awesome come out just for an hour come out and check it out um grab a coffee from the canadian grind trailer in the park do a lap and then go home and then you can say you did it um but if you see lots of stuff on that list that you want to get to um try a bunch of different things but at least at least get out and and take advantage of something that people have been working hard to plan there you go tons of reasons to go high and ice marissa thank you so much for carving out some time to uh, come talk to us about (laughs) high and ice winter festival today. thank you for having me you're very welcome all right we'll be right back to wrap up moose talks in just a moment the annual community first this is moose talks with dub craig on moose fm Big thanks again to Ryan Harvey, the communications coordinator with the City of Fort St. John, for stopping by to talk about budgets. As he said, if you want more information about it, www.fortstjohn.ca. Uh, you'll see it there. It says budget or something along that lines. You can click right on it. I'm Marissa Jordan as well, stopping by to talk about high and ice. Get out. Enjoy it if you can. Again, fortstjohn.ca slash ice to see a full schedule of events. Well, that's it for Moose Talks today. Big thanks to Adam Rayburn, who's running the board today, and Tracy Teves for being the producer. I'm Dub Craig. See you next time. Join us next Friday at 10 a.m. for another episode of Moose Talks, a weekly talk show about Fort St. John and the North Peace. 100.1 Moose FM. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.